Hey everyone, I'm so excited to be live today with Fruity Ronster. He is from the UK, so not, um, not from the States. And he's going to talk to us today about his new book, which is phenomenal. He's written a book about myths that raw vegan myths. And here is the cover. It's a really, <laughs> I've got it right. Oh, here he is right here. Let me get him into the cover here. Raw vegan myths debunked. And hey, how are you? Hello, Angelica. How are you? I'm great. I was just um, talking about your new book. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. In the yeah, thank you for raw vegan bundle. Thank you for mentioning the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 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 really good to have the bundle because it really made me want to produce something really good and also put some time and effort into something that I'm quite passionate about. And um, the reason that I kind of wanted to put that book together, I know it's a bit different for the bundle, which is a lot of recipe books, but I don't, I'm not a very natural recipe person. Like I'm not that good with that stuff yet. I'm learning, which is why the bundle's good for me. You know, I'm still learning a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm a kind of a quick eater. I kind of just like want to eat the food straight away. So I'm not the best at the sitting and creating, but I'm, I'm learning. So, um, but what I've seen within the raw vegan movement is people making mistakes and bad ideas and people coming to harm sometimes and just people having like paranoid, weird ideas and not necessarily that they're all wrong, but I wanted to explore it a bit further because sometimes when people say these things, I'm thinking, I, I don't think that's right, but I wanted to go a bit deeper into it. So that's why I came up with that title in the book. And I realized when I was writing it, there was about 10 or 15 others. And people have been saying to me, what about this one? What about this one? I've heard this. So there's a lot. There's going to be a volume too, I think. Um, but I'm curious about what you're doing as well. And uh, this is the first time I've really met you and come across you. And you've been, I'm fascinated. You've been helping people with yoga businesses and stuff like that. So and you, you, your book's about retreats, and I've run a, a lot of events, and I'm trying to learn more. So I probably need some of your help. But um, yeah, so uh, what, what's what's in your book? I need to I need to learn from you. I think. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. I think we we can like the cool thing about the ultimate raw vegan bundle is that there's so much to learn from so many people. Like we can all learn from each other. But like your book, my book is not really like heavy recipe based. It's more about um, how to integrate raw food into a retreat to give yourself kind of a reset in life. Um, I've been teaching yoga for um, 16 years. I've been practicing for 35 years. And I owned the largest yoga studio in the state of Nevada for about 10 years. Um, wow. Yeah, I had... I was 6,000 square feet. I had about 150 teachers working for me and I had about 10,000 clients. And I sold that a few years ago to travel full time. And first we traveled in an RV in a, a caravan. And then um, we 
bought a sailboat and uh, now we're just in the past week and a half gone back to living in a caravan, but we still own the sailboat. But so it was funny when I was reading your book and I was reading about scurvy and sailors and uh, <laughs> I was like, well, it is hard to keep there. You know, the kitchen's really small and we did not have a refrigerator. So that was really challenging. And, you know, when you're on islands out in the middle of the Bahamas or whatever, it's really hard to get um, fresh food. You're, everything is canned or dried beans or rice, yeah. those kinds of things. So, it, you know, it's hard to keep food. And uh, we had an, an old sailboat, about 40 years old, and it was a real classic cruiser. And it's a, uh, the name is the Sea Angel. And she, uh, she's a really safe, ocean going vessel she can sail around the world if we wanted to take her around the world but we don't because that's scary but um so anyhow yeah so and now i teach people how to become yoga teachers online and i work with yoga teachers to create profitable businesses uh one of the things that i did when i owned the yoga studios i ran a lot of yoga retreats so i thought it would and people have been asking me for years to write a book about the yoga retreat and how the recipes that I used there and people just really enjoyed my retreats. So what I did was write a book about all of the, you know, what was the schedule that I use when I'm doing a, a retreat and how can you integrate that at, in your own home? Uh, what were some of the musicians, the music that I played? Uh, what were some of the styles of yoga that I, um, that I had people do? How do you, how do you create a relaxing and meditative environment you know that's something that's difficult to do for people i don't think that that comes natural to everybody in modern society so i wanted to write this book in order to give people that were you know maybe new to yoga or they just do yoga don't teach it an opportunity to create their own yoga retreat in an affordable way um and people who are yoga teachers and want to create their own retreats like how do you do that? And so this is really a manual for that as well. So I'm wow. really, yeah, very grateful to be a part of this. I'm uh, I'm so happy to meet you. I, I'm sure I can, I'm going to be reading your book. I'm sure I'm going to get so much out of it. I need to follow you more. Um, you had 150 yoga teachers. That's unbelievable. Like that's yeah. unbelievable. What, what's yeah. so beautiful about that is there's so many people with a passion for yoga and they really want to teach and they've got nowhere to teach and you were providing them with so many people with an opportunity. That's, that's so amazing. Yeah. I really loved taking people. The, I had kind of a thing that it was pretty difficult to get in to work with me. You really kind of had to take my yoga teacher training to work at my studio um, or show that you were really dedicated to my studio in particular, that you wanted to be part of our vision and our culture and the way that we, um, that we, practiced and taught yoga and so um, most of the people 90% of the people who worked for me actually were also certified by me so it's like this like 10 week long interview process of getting your certification and then working for me so um, yeah but it didn't start out that way I started out obviously you know I graduated from teacher training and I taught a lot of I taught free uh, in a lot of places I taught at Lululemon I taught in the parks I taught you know, at people's houses, at schools, whatever. And then I got a lot of experience teaching and I taught at different studios and at schools and community centers and apartment complexes. And I taught in an attorney's office. Like I taught in lots and lots of gyms. 
And then I opened my own place and it was in a garage that had been converted into a Pilates studio and I used it for yoga instead. And so I was there, it was 400 square feet, very small, it was a two car garage. So really small space. I had, you know, me and four other teachers and that's how I started. And people really resonated with what we were doing and the studio grew and grew and grew. And it's still there, it's in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and uh, people can go now, it's called Sin City Yoga. You can go there today. It's close to the world famous Las Vegas Strip. Just, I don't own it anymore. Some of my students own it, so yeah. That's amazing, what, what a journey, what a journey. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and where does the, the raw foods come into? Because I, I know that there's a big crossover there. Like whenever you're at raw food events, there's usually yoga going on. And I think the yoga people are kind of curious about raw foods. What's, what's the crossover, do you think? So the yoga is actually a system of eight limbs, like eight different things that we're supposed to do to be a yogi. And only one of those things is what we call asana or physical practice. That's what, what you all, like the regular person just sees yeah um, do and they they do they think that yoga is the physical practice but yoga is actually eight different eight different things and one of the first things is the yamas and the niyamas and these are the things that we should do and we shouldn't do and the very first of these yamas and niyamas is something called ahimsa and it's the principle of nonviolence. so this is how we don't kill animals we don't hurt other people. We don't think violent thoughts in our head. This is the first thing that we must do as yogis in order to go down the yogic spiritual path. And it ends, the yogic path ends in samadhi. With the eighth limb is samadhi. It's ultimate consciousness and enlightenment. So we can never reach enlightenment unless we first start with nonviolence, which it, as defined by all traditional yoga lineages every single one of them it is defined as not eating animals and they define it as being vegetarian because in india they um the cow is sacred and revered i mean that's a i've been to india that you know it's kind of people say that but in reality it's not really they aren't really treated that nicely but yeah. <laughs> kind of like a lot of the things in your book where it's like yeah, you know, a B12 deficiency, but really everyone has that because B12 is not, you know, readily produced that way. But anyhow, um, so they, um, so it, you have to start if you're a yogi, the first step is to start as a, a vegetarian or a vegan. Most people are vegan these days. When I started 35 years ago, most people were vegetarian. And actually Paul McCartney is a vegetarian and my dad's favorite band was the Beatles and I remember True. Paul and Linda were vegetarians and I was like oh that's I that's an option I would like to do that and so yeah 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 <laughs> so that's when I started being a vegetarian I was 11 years old because really a Paul McCartney <laughs> and um so um there's yeah, a big so, there's a big company in the UK there's still Linda McCartney vegetarian foods. I don't know if that's in the U.S., but they're still no, a big company. No, but I, I have heard of them, and I would love to go and try some because I'm a big fan of hers. And I actually found that out because I took the Ultimate Vegan cooking course by the Happy Pair. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, you know the Irish them? guys, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I love those guys. They are amazing. And so I took their course, and they mentioned the Linda McCartney Foods in there. And uh, I was like, oh, that's a thing. So that's, I have to get over there to the UK. But, you know, it's been travel recently in the last couple of years, so it's been difficult. But, um, yeah, so For sure, yeah. that's why the intersection between yoga and veganism and raw foods, because that is the first step. And, and the, the, the physical practice that most people call yoga, which is really only, it's the third step. It's not even very far along on your journey. You know, meditation yeah. is a much higher level of achievement as a yogi, if you can use that word, than, than doing the physical practice. If you were to meditate every day, you would be farther along in the path as a yogi than if you did yoga oh, wow. asana practices and poses. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And um, let me ask you, I, I'm fascinated by the yoga community. You probably know it really well. Like, I've, I've, I've never been, but I've heard of, like, the yoga festivals, the yoga events, like, the various maybe celebrities and stuff that are in yoga. Um, the fashion, like the yoga fashion and all this kind of stuff. Um, what, what's your, tell me about the yoga community a little bit. What, what do you like about it and what's not so great about it? And what are some of the fun experiences and things? Yeah, so um, I've seen yoga change a lot in 35 years. It's, it's dramatically changed. It's grown very, very large. I think that um, it's, it's, within anything that becomes popular, it moves away from its traditional roots. And that is something right. I've really struggled with a lot. And I have had to finally come to the realization that any kind of positivity that someone can bring into their life, any kind of goodness, happiness, joy, kindness, understanding for others, empathy that someone can bring into their life is, is a positive thing. So even if it's not the way it was originally attended, then I still believe it to be a positive thing. Like I always call like Bikram yoga, the hot yoga. This is a totally made up yoga for Americans. It's something that they made up and they do it for Western people. He did it for money entirely. It's not even the traditional poses. It's not safe to heat your body and then do exercises. <laughs> Anyone who's a runner knows that. Like that is not a safe thing to do. He did it entirely for money. And I used to be really angry about it and get mad about people that did hot yoga. But now I realize that it's like a gateway drug, right? So if you do hot right. yoga and you like it, then maybe you'll do real yoga, you know? <laughs> and then maybe you'll discover the eight limbs of yoga. And then maybe you'll discover that the first one is veganism, ahimsa, nonviolence. And then maybe you'll become a vegan. So it's like, you know, the, for me, it's been acceptance that everyone has their own path and not trying to tell people how to go down that path because the yoga community has changed dramatically. Yoga is not about what kind of clothes you wear. Um, and I, yeah, there's really. a lot of yoga people now that will really defend eating meat. And that is 100% definitely not a yogic philosophy. That is, not, that is, uh, it's very, it's really hard for me to see that because it is, that is not, you cannot reach enlightenment. There is no, there is no spiritual path in which you can reach enlightenment and continue to eat the fear, pain, and suffering of animals and ingest their hormones and adrenaline 
and the sadness that goes through them. And I, I deeply believe that the reason why we are in all these problems that we are in the world, you know, that more money is spent on learning how to hurt each other than is on learning how to help each other is because we eat meat as a society, as a culture, as a world. And I think that we yeah. ingest the energetics of sadness and fear and suffering. And then that is transmitted into the world that we communicate with each other. And if we did not do that, I think we would live in a much better world, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> but just to get back to Bikram, like I watched the documentary about that guy on Netflix and I was fascinated by the character. Like I just thought he was so obviously like crazy and he was funny and strange and obviously a liar. Like he would just say he was healing the president and stuff like that, just making stuff up, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it was so funny, but like he was some kind of, he was saying he was a bodybuilder. He, had, he certainly had a good body, like he had a good physique and he had a nice singing voice. But yeah, I, I, you know, funny, like, so I go to the Woodstock Fruit Festival, which is a raw food festival, but they have yoga all the time. And I've been to, a, I've not, I would like to get into yoga. I've not fully got into it yet. Um, but I go to the classes now and then, and I went to this class at the festival, and it was a Bikram teacher. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, I walked out of the class after the first, I just didn't enjoy it. And there was stuff that she was, you know, I'm not a yogi, but I come from the meditation and sort of energy work side of things. And she was trying to do this pranayama stuff, and I was like, this doesn't feel right to me at all. And I, I, just, I just left the class. And uh, some of my friend, one of my friends, he thought it, she was quite strict and quite like military and everything. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I like that style. And But it's funny because a lot of the people in the documentary about him, I think they liked his toughness. Um, he was kind of abusive, really, but some people respond to that. And, you know... Uh, I've seen that as well in martial arts and other things where sometimes a really strict, abusive, kind of a semi-abusive teacher like develops a following, like a loyal following around them. And he's still, he's still out there, I think. He's still like doing his thing, I think. He, his attorney actually sued him and I don't, he's not allowed to be part of his own organization anymore. But yeah, there definitely you know pranayama is one of the eight limbs of yoga but the the but just like the postures he took the pranayamas the breathing techniques and he changed them for instance when we breathe in a yogic breath we always breathe in and out through the nose because this allows us to calm the nervous system anytime you breathe in and out through the mouth you increase the flight or fight response within your body so in your bikram you'll see where they have you know, it's just a very aggressive form of exercise. And I think that it actually increases um, these like anger responses and um, the, the, the not, it's not about love. It's not about connection. And the yoga sutras are very clear that yoga is, we're all one, that there is actually no difference. It's, it's this ideology that like we are, we are all God, right? And you and I are just a different version of God experiencing this planet. 
So we're not any different. We're actually the same exact being. Like everyone that's on this this call with us today, everyone that's around me right now in this parking lot, because I'm having internet issues, so I'm in a parking lot uh, where I can get service. But everyone that's around us, we're all just incarnations of the one being. We're all incarnations of God. So when we use labels and we separate ourselves, even the label of yogi, the label of raw foodist or whatever, that these are these labels actually serve to not not help us to understand the ideology of one, which is Om, or in in religions like Amin or Amen. This is the ideology of one, and that we're all one of of God, you know. And so, amazing, but, yeah, yeah. Could I ask you a question? Away from that, but but yoga yeah. does not get away from that. How do you balance, right? How do you find that balance with the yoga, the union? the oneness with the fact that you're also like entrepreneur um, and like the struggle there because there's stress in entrepreneurship there's uh, you're dealing with a lot of people maybe difficulty hassles like there's disappointment there's rejection and I feel as well like sometimes you start off with this really great intention of doing something and maybe you find out that people don't really want that and you have to change what you're doing or you have to like I've always I've always felt like sometimes I want to be able to offer things that are more affordable for people and then I kind of realize I it, it doesn't work sometimes that I have to go towards the things that are that have more value and are more expensive and things like that and and then you feel like you're kind of uh, like some people can't then take part in and all that stuff and, and I don't know there's all sorts of different thoughts that go on but what's your journey with that been like have you ever struggled with any of that or is it have you just been always kind of a natural entrepreneur with that kind of instinct so the yoga sutras say that we cannot help others unless we have first taken care of ourselves and so the definition of what taking care of me is is different for each of us right so how I define taking care of myself and what I'm comfortable with is very different than what you're comfortable with right so I'm comfortable living in a caravan I'm comfortable with having a small amount of stuff I'm comfortable with having two plates two knives two forks two spoons one for me one for my husband you know like I'm comfortable with having uh, living on a sailboat, right? Like that's not comfortable for everyone. So we, we have to each define like where is our comfort level, and this is a this is a lot like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are you familiar with Maslow? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have to first have our bottom level of uh, taking care of. We have to take care of our basics. Our this is like the first chakra things: our family, home, stability, finances, um, and and not being at war with finances because money is a currency. It's an energy. And so I look at money this way, that when I give you something like I, I give you yoga lessons, let's say, and you create for me raw food. And maybe I don't have the skill set to create raw food and you don't have the skill set to do yoga, but you give me money to, to give you lessons for yoga and then you can go out and buy raw foods for that and yeah and and i give you money and you know and, and so the money is an energy exchange it's not 
people put a lot of labels on money. And again, we get back to this ideology of labels and, and like what you talk about in your book about if people want everything to be black and white, but that's not the reality of the world. It's not one way or it's not this way or that way. Everything is very shades of gray. Everything is very in the middle. And when we can accept that, it's easier to move forward. Now, I have always, from the very beginning, worked very well in with money. Like money loves me. I enjoy making money. I enjoy helping people learn how to make money. Um, I've been abundant my whole adult life. Like that's just something that just come, I'm always coming up with ideas, but at the core of it for me always is how can I help? When I was selling, I worked for a French company called L'Occitane. It's like shower gel, bubble bath, body lotion, shampoo, you know, shaving cream, like really expensive stuff, like $30 shaving cream, you know? And I worked there. And when I would sell people something, when I would sell them a lavender bubble bath, I would think about the experience that that's going to give them and how they'll smell that and have a feeling yeah. of relaxation. And, and we'll, since we used pure essential oils, that it would calm their bodies and help them to feel good and happy. And I wanted everyone who come, came into the store and bought something from me to have a favorable, happy memory from that experience so that every time, because scent is one of our biggest um, memory makers in life. So if, if every time they smelled that bone mare soap and they were like, oh, it smells like rose essential oil. And they thought of when they had this great experience in my store and they laughed and enjoyed themselves. And then that brings joy to them. So if everything that we're doing is creating this joy and happiness with other people, then I feel like the money comes with that. And I do understand what you're saying about people will, people will always say to you that they want a low price item. Your stuff is too expensive. You, I can't buy that. It's too much. You're not making it approachable for everyone. Well, here's the thing. So the, the, the ultimate raw vegan bundle is very approachable for everyone. It's 55 books for $50. It's like a dollar a book. It's really great. And, um, it's an, an approachable item. I have a couple things that are like that. I have a couple of different books that people can buy at lower price points. But if you want to work with me and my time, from the very beginning, I've always charged more than everyone else. And I found that when you value your, your service at a higher level, everyone else will value it better than you. So for instance, for yoga teacher training in Las Vegas, when I taught it at the studio, most studios were charging around $2,000. I was charging $3,750. And every single training I had, it would sell out to capacity. I had a waiting list of people to get, I had interviewed people. Like you could not get into my training without interviewing with me. And I charged the highest prices because of that, but also because there's a perception in the mind of quality. Low priced items are considered cheap and high priced items are considered classy. And once you can, it, there's a book called The Mountain Is You I, I know you know Nate from The Nice Cream King. Uh, he recommended that book to me, and it's a phenomenal book. And basically, everything that you're in lack of in life, everything that we are in lack of in life is because of us. It's something inside of us. So if we are having mm. financial lack or if we're feeling like we can't charge what we want to charge for our service, it's a lack within us. It's not actually a reality. It's something that we've created as a reality because there are other people that are charging a lot more. 
Bikram, for instance, charges like $14,000 for that training. So <laughs> the set, like an inferior training to the training that I gave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, like it, it's, it's about your own perceived, your own perceived value. And then if you truly believe that, everyone will come on board with you. And this is just an energetics of money thing. And then that allows us to be at the level of comfort that we want that allows us to then serve others more. So if service is at the core of everything that we're doing, then we can't feel bad about our abundance because that's the universe that's giving back to us abundance in accordance with the service that we've given. That's, that's amazing. You know what? That's why I needed to hear, honestly. Like I need it. I need to speak to you more. Like I, I, I love you. You're awesome, man. And I, I, uh, I'm so glad that we're talking tonight. Like, yeah, amazing. I, I'm, I'm loving. I'm just learning so much from you. Um, so your life right now is like, is it RV life or is it travel life or? Yeah. What, well, what right now we're getting the solar installed on our our caravan so that we can go off grid. And we just camp out in the desert um, and we stay out there, you know, for however long. The weather is really favorable right now to be in the desert. Uh, and then I think in January, we'll probably head down to Texas where our boat is and spend some time doing boat projects. We do have the boat up for sale, but, you know, boats don't typically just sell right away. So um, if she's not sold by January, then we'll, we'll do some more projects on her, but do some sailing. We do really like sailing. It's just, um, it's a lot different in, than living in an RV because, you know, if I wanted to go somewhere this afternoon and say, hey, let's, you know, let's go out to the hot springs in California. Let's just go. We could just go. But if we're in a boat on a sailboat, and uh, I don't know if you're a sailor, but if you want to go to, say, Florida, you know, it's this, well, the winds will be favorable in two weeks and there won't be any squalls and it's going to be a five day journey. So we're going to have to get provisions, you know. <laughs> So it's not as much freedom. Do you sail? Um, no, but I like boats. Like I, I can't, I can't sail, but like, <laughs> I do like being in boats. I would jump on your boat with you, you know, anytime. But I, <laughs> um, I don't know how to like put the the sails up and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm not. It's very, very easy if we're ever in the same place that a sailboat is, and we can use it or we're in my boat or whatever, I would be happy to show you how to sail. It's very simple. Um, it does get complicated if there's weather. <laughs> but if you have a nice, you know, like, you know, 15 to 20 knots of wind, a 10 to 20 knots of wind, you, you can get a nice sail going. And um, everything on our boat is manual. We don't have any of the newfangled stuff. So you have to go out on the deck and hoist the sails and, um, everything you have to do, you have to, you have to steer it the whole time. There's no auto, auto pilot or any of that. So, <laughs> so it's really sailing, but we, we enjoy it. We do. Awesome. Awesome. Um, where does the raw foods fit in for you? What was your experience with that? Have you, do you go back to like the early days of like the raw gourmet movement and all that stuff? Like where, where did, where did you start? exploding raw foods you know what's really interesting and i haven't looked at her for years because <coughs> i'm sorry let me just have a drink of water 
I haven't looked at her for years because I just like started moved on to other people, but I had been doing vegetarianism since I was about 11. And then when I took yoga teacher training in 2005, I started to, to dabble in veganism. And then I was exposed to Ravana and y Yavana Mendoza. Right, yep. And I was like, oh, well, this is it. Maybe I'll try this. And the raw boy, she was friends with the raw boy. And I, the I raw boy, at, yeah. yeah, a lot of his stuff. And um, so that it, it is a Michigan cup. It is. My husband is from Michigan. Uh, I've been to Michigan. So, I've been to Michigan quite a few times. So uh, anyhow, um, so, but then I read in your book that she's not vegan anymore. So I went and checked and sure enough, she's not. But uh, that's when I like really, when I found out about uh, Lissa, Raw Food Romance, um, that's when I started to really get into raw foods. And that's been not very long ago. Um, but I don't eat a fully raw diet. I eat raw for uh, breakfast and lunch usually. And then, oh, nice. um, and then for dinner, I eat a cooked meal because my husband isn't, he, he isn't even vegan. Um, but we don't eat, I don't let him have any meat in the house. <laughs> so, um, you know, but you have to, you have to attract, not force, right? So um, if I was like, oh, I, I'm not gonna, you know, let you do this, blah, blah, blah. But he'll, you know, he'll go back and forth. He'll be vegan for long periods of time. And then he'll think that he, you know, like, like you wrote in your book, he'll think that he needs to have meat. He's some kind of deficiency, you know, and, and if I were to harp on him and make it difficult for him or make fun of him or be rude in any way, that would just push him further towards that, you know? So I really, yeah, I really feel like it needs any kind of change like that needs to come from the person's own calling. And there's something psychological in people that they, they don't want to change because someone around them sort of told them to or forced them to. Like everyone wants to have their own journey. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone wants to, it's like there's probably friends of yours that were yoga people and stuff, but they didn't want to learn from you, you know, or something like there's something weird about learning from your friend or something, even though you're there with all the information, they're probably like, yeah, I'm going to go and learn from this other person. Like it's something about that. Right. And I just think that that is the problem with trying to like force it on people show it to be, like, it's, it's much better to almost act like it's a secret club that you're part of that you don't really want to tell them about. It's almost like better to just do that. Like when they, when they ask you questions about it, you're just kind of like, Oh, don't, don't, don't worry about that. You don't need to know about that. That this is a, you don't need to do that thing. This is, this is my, you know, you don't need to do that vegan thing. Don't worry about that. That's, this is my thing. You know, like it's, it's something, it's just funny. Like the psychology people like, um, the more you hold it back from them, the more they're likely to actually try and uh, try and get you to ask them, try and ask you more about it. And, and, you know, I, I think that I, I do think that it comes from that person's own calling, that feeling inside them that they want to change that something in them. I think it's like, it's like a, a shift in them as a person. It's not for me, like changing my diet came when I shifted as a person. It wasn't just, I wanted to change my diet. It wasn't as consciously. And I think that a lot of things in human life are not as, um, what's the phrase? Like they're not as sort of 
logical as we think. Like it's not like people go, they think I want to get healthier and let me explore that. It's, it's, it's something different happens. And for me, it was, it was a change, like almost in my energy or something that made me sort of change the, what I wanted to eat. And, um, and, 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 and something woke up in me that I'd always been searching for. And, you know, to try and just force that on other people when that wasn't really your experience is, um, it, it won't work for them, you know? And I think that, uh, and I really hate it when people say like, oh, I just can't take it. My boyfriend or my girlfriend won't go vegan. And you're just like, but that's not why you're with them. Like, that's not this, like, don't make that an issue for 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 them. Like you, they've you've went on your journey, but that doesn't mean that they've been in, they've been there with you, you know. And um, I uh, I think that's another myth: the idea that vegans or raw vegans are are intolerant of other people or like trying to force it. I mean, I knew a lot of vegans before I was vegan, and they never told me anything about being vegan. Like they never told me about it. They were never forcing it on me. They didn't really want to talk about it. You know, and uh, certainly I never remember any of them saying, I can't believe you're eating that. You know, none of them were ever like that, you know. So, yeah, whatever. But, well, it's been so cool talking to you. Um, yeah, it's been really, really awesome to meet you. I'm so enjoying your book. And um, I think that I, I just in today's world and everything that's going on, I think what you're talking about in your book is so important for people to hear that the, it just because the group mentality is doing something or just because the government did one study and says something, that doesn't necessarily mean that's so. I really loved what you talked about with soil depletion because I did not know that. I thought that, that the soil depletion was like a real thing that we should be seriously worried about that there was not nutrients in our soil and sometimes I would think like am I am I getting enough from vegetables alone <laughs> you know so that that was really cool that I read that in your book and I think thank you so yeah funny. I mean yeah and I'm open to if anyone wants to challenge that and give me more information and show me that I'm wrong I'm totally open to it I, that's where I'm at now I'm, I'm like I want to find out the truth about all this. I believe it, but I want to figure out does what what is it about this diet and everything I'm involved with, and and is it all real? And I want to, you know, and and I've one of the reasons I researched that particular thing was I'd heard a few teachers, one in particular, in the raw vegan lifestyle, that would talk about the soil depletion and we talk about not enough nutrients in the food, and we talk about people getting uh, nutrient deficiencies. And you really need to be worried about this and you need to take supplements. And I would hear this and I'm like, I don't think that there's something wrong about what, what they're saying here. So I started to look into it a little bit and just looking into it a little bit. And I started to share with them information and I was saying, I can't find this information you're saying. I can't find the evidence for this. And they started to be super defensive. They were, you know, they were arguing, they were saying, oh, you can't trust that. And, you can't trust the government. And I just thought, wait a minute, they don't have, they've not researched this at all. Like they're just made, making this up. And so I thought, let me explore this even more. And as I explored it more and more, I found quite a lot of credible information that was basically saying, 
this is and then I figured it out like this is mostly kind of marketing information that comes from the supplement industry which is enormous industry like and a lot of companies um especially like in uh is um, not just in the alternative health world but things like there's been a lot of like the network marketing companies a lot of those companies have been based on supplements uh, Amway and a lot of others and their way of selling them has always been you can't trust the food supply you can't trust your nutrition and all that you, you've got to make sure you've got these supplements and I realized that these stories had got out into the public and people believe in them because I think that people have skepticism towards big organizations they're not connected with the food supply anymore they're not they're not growing their own food they don't know what's involved with that and when they hear bad stories, which there are bad stories about, yeah, there has been times when bad, bad pesticides have been used or farmers have, you know, ruined their land. That has happened. But that's not this general thing that's happening all the time and it's not happening so much now. And if it did happen, it's not like they just allow it to continue to happen. Like there's people really working on this stuff and trying to make sure that, that it's, it's, it's all... And, you know, I know that everyone in the natural health world hates the GMOs, for example. Everyone hates GMOs. But, like, the GMO thing comes from scientists going, oh, there's people in Africa that are getting vitamin A deficiency. Can we put vitamin A somehow into their, like, wheat or their um, – can we figure out some way of doing that? It, it doesn't come from this evil place of, like, trying to kill people and ruin the nutrition. Like, there's a there's – a, 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 it comes from a good side. So – I started to realize, unfortunately, that bad news kind of travels fast. Things that create fear really galvanize people and industries are grown out of them. And basically every supplement to this day is still sold in that same fear tactic of like, you can't trust your nutrition. You can't trust what you're eating. You're probably not eating good anyway. So you need to take supplements and the there's total lack of evidence that supplements really are healthy for people or help them in any way. So we should always go towards the nutrition foods and we should have confidence and we should believe that the farmers know more than us. Like they're doing their best. They're not just like, and this doesn't make any sense. Well, they're just trying to make money. It's like, but they can only make money if they sell a quality product that people at that, that like the supermarkets don't just buy any old rubbish. Like they, they're, they are testing these things. They're making sure that it's good. And um, the only reason that the fruits and vegetables are not maybe as amazing as they could be on the shelves is because of the lack of customer demand. Like people are accept mm. lower quality fruits. And a lot of the people that buy, like the majority of people that buy fruits and vegetables, let's face it, they buy it. They don't necessarily even eat it or they buy it and they maybe cook it. So they buy a banana, they eat it unripe. Like there's loads of people that do stuff like that and they won't buy ripe fruit. And it's not because they don't understand that the ripe fruit is better. It's because they need to carry it home. And if they put it in a bag with all this other stuff, it's just going to get crushed. So like they want to buy the unripe stuff so it doesn't all smash up in their bag on the way home. And that makes sense to me, you know? So the more that we trust in our nutrition, trust in the food supply, buy more food and learn what's good, and buy the stuff that's good, there'll be a greater demand for it. And but I'm I I've seen harm come to people through becoming paranoid about their nutrition, literally going down this supplement 
high way of like thinking they're deficient and then they become deficient in something else. Then they think they're deficient in something else. They're constantly looking for the next supplement that works. Every time there's a problem, they're looking for a supplement and it becomes like a paranoia. And literally I've seen people come to great harm from that. And I, I, I really think that sometimes people had mental health issues actually, and maybe emotional health issues, not nutritional issues. And people were telling them supplement, 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 and it was going all the wrong way. And it's, it's, it's funny. It's also sad. You know, there's some bad stories, but anyway, yeah. It's just so funny I'm, that you should say that because I feel that way about yoga, 170,000%. There are so many people who need to be in talk therapy counseling with a certified therapist. And instead they're coming to yoga class and they have this belief because there's this myth going around in the yoga community that yoga can cure everything. If you just start doing yoga, all of your mental illness is going to go away. All your anxiety problems, all your PTSD, all of your traumas that you have, this is going to magically go away. And you know what? Your yoga teacher, they know everything and they're just going to solve all your problems. But most yoga teachers have less than 200 hours of training. Do you know 200 hours? It's like almost no time at all. If you think about that as a 40 hour work week, we're talking about like five work weeks. Could you learn everything you need to know about the science of anything in five weeks working 40 hours a week? No. Yeah. So you have five to weeks. that are severely unqualified yeah. to be getting mental health yeah. counseling and they're doing For it sure. because there's this this perception in the yoga community that yoga can save you from all that stuff. It certainly can help, but it cannot fix it. Like I'm always telling people, people will get very offended in my, in my classes when they'll say, well, I don't want to go to therapy. And I'll say, but you need to, but you need to, because um, yoga isn't going to fix this for you. You're not going is, to practically be healed. <laughs> is it the same people that are, they're going to the yoga and they're, um, they're pulling the tarot cards. They're looking at their astrology. They're like <laughs> going to the shamanism group. Like they're doing ayahuasca. Like, is it all the same? I feel like it's all the same people, right? Like, it's the same people. and you're like, it's the same like people. get over, like stop, like you know, forgive oh, the people. Crying. Whatever it is you I'm need to do. Crying. I'm almost crying because it is. No, those, I, I mean, it I, is I just. Those people. I, it's like people. for God's sake, like get over your ex boyfriend or whatever. It's like just get over it. Like, yes, your mom didn't love you. I get it. Like, you need to confront that, deal with it. But like, yeah, it's it's like it's sad, you know. I I I, I totally get it. But I see people go down this, and they get. I feel like they start to clutch more and more onto these things when the darkness is kind of surrounding them. Like the tarot cards come out more the incense, the, um, you know, yeah, all that stuff. People, there's a big community of people who really think that ayahuasca is going to save them. And yoga says that, like the yoga sutras say that we must get our bodies completely clean. We must free ourselves from any, any like alcohol, marijuana, um, dark foods. It's called registic and tamistic. So you want to get your body in a state of what uh, yoga calls sattva, which is light and, 
and cleanliness and clearness. And that can never be achieved if we're taking drugs into our body, any kind of drug. So I'm, I, people take ayahuasca and they'll be like, well, I vomited and I detoxed and got all this stuff. No, it's a poison. You put a poison into your body and your body was rejecting it. That's why you vomited, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I find that very fascinating about people. But, you know, it goes back to what you were talking about in your book, that there is no quick fix. People want a quick fix. People want to just be like, well, today I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this one yoga class and all my problems will be solved. And it's not like that. It's, it's sustained practice over time for years and years and years. And you may never solve it in this lifetime. Like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but that is... It, this might be the lifetime that you suffer and that sucks and I'm sorry for you but but it's not nothing nothing comes to us in a, t in a short time period you know now I didn't make a lot of money teaching yoga the first five six seven years that I did it you know it took me a really long time to build a following of people who were interested in what I had to offer and it took a really long time for me to become good enough to have something to offer. You know, I had to practice myself yeah. and I had to study the Yeah, fantastic. It's a big Yeah, because it's it's the same thing as like juicing yeah yeah i like i'll tell you what i don't mind pulling a card once in a while i think it can be fun and sometimes you get a, a real coincidence you're like oh that's cool but um i've always felt that like when people get too caught up in these things i mean i've seen it with people that i've lived with and been around and like i just saw the kind of darkness and, and it would always be like they're they're wanting to juice they're wanting to fast they're wanting to cleanse they're wanting to like and they feel like all this badness or whatever they feel is like this badness in them is going to be sort of cleansed and i feel like in a way they they don't realize that they're actually opening up to more of that negativity through going down the path of you know uh destabilizing themselves through um you know mushrooms and I don't know, other, you know, all these, all these different things. And I'm always, I've always felt like, and I don't know where I got this from, but I've always been a kind of, like if I was to start yoga, I would never think of teaching yoga unless I'd been doing it for many, like probably like 10 years. I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like I've been doing martial arts, a certain a martial art that I do for like 12, 13 years. I've still not started a class. I really want to. And um, I, it's you know I I, I just, and it's not because I couldn't have taught when I was five years into it, but I want to be I want to be good at it. Like I, there's no rush for me to teach. You know, there's no rush there, and I know there are people that aren't as good at teaching all that. I get it, but it's um, for me. I I I I'm a I'm a slow, steady sort of. I'm not a fast learner, really. I'm a. I'm a slow learner. I mean, and in, in, in business and in entrepreneurship, like, I'm a slow learner. You know, I've been running my festival for years and I still make mistakes and big mistakes. And like, I, um, I 
get you know I'm getting there slowly, but I wanna, but I'll stick with it, you know. And I think a lot of people give up real quickly with things, and they're looking for the fast answer and the fast thing in me. And I just think um, the best things in life take time, and and that's good because if everything happened quickly, everything would be boring, you know. It would kind of like all come too quickly and. Um, I'm still waiting to be a rock star as well. Like I'm a musician, like I've been a musician since I was 12 or what, like I'm, I'm still waiting for that. Like maybe play? one day. What instruments do you I play? I play guitar and write songs. I, I'm a big fan of like, um, I love all the, uh, I love a lot of the British bands, you know, like the obviously like, like Paul McCartney's one of my favorite guys, to be honest, Paul McCartney. Melodic yeah, rock. Yeah, like melodic. Uh, rock music is kind of my thing, and um, uh, anything that's within that category is. Do you like some of the I'm old like. Americans, like Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel? <laughs> yeah, I like I like Bruce Springsteen. I like um, uh, you know Bruce Hornsby. I'm quite a yes. fan of Bruce Hornsby. Yes. I quite yes. like him and Jackson Brown. Um, I like the Eagles a little bit, Fleetwood uh, yeah, uh, Mac, the Dire Straits, and going back to yeah. the 60s, all like all the, Mot the Motown stuff. I'm a pop music, rock, melody, upbeat, all the song. Like I love the fact that the Beatles, uh, for example, like all their stuff was about love at the end of the day. Like they had so many songs about love and about positivity and all that. And um, I'm not so into the heavy metal of like all the satanism or whatever like that's yeah, not really my side of I things do. i do love the silly love songs oh yeah yeah Bob for Seeker sure another for good sure. one too <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah bruce springsteen i was a i was a big fan of for a, a long time i really got into him um and uh bob dylan i was a big fan of for a while some of these guys i don't <laughs> listen to so much i i but Paul McCartney, I've always felt, is something really um, different about him. Like, there's something a bit special about him and different. Um, and I went to a gig with Paul McCartney a couple of years ago, like 10 years ago, in a stadium here. And he used to live in Scotland, right? He used to live quite a lot. So I knew people that, like, grew up near where he lived, and they, they knew him and knew his kids growing up and stuff. And... Um, I was on a high for like two days. Like I swear, like two days after that concert, I was on a total high, just this total projection of like love and the vibration of the audience. Like it was amazing experience. Definitely the best concert I've ever been to, you know? And, um, so I, I yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, oh, you know who definitely else I like is Peter Gabriel. Oh yeah, Peter Gabriel's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I like. I, I mean, I like Phil Collins, Genesis. Yeah. Uh, I. I I like a lot of the stuff that people think's not very cool. To be honest, I like. Same. I know all, all those songs. I, my husband's always making fun of me because we have the satellite radio, and I only listen to this thing called the bridge, which is all like music from the seventies and the really early eighties. Right. And I know every single yeah, I love song, that and he's always making fun of me. But you know, anyhow, that's yeah, that like really good music. <laughs> yeah, but all 
But what, what, like all the yoga, all those kind of yoga people, like they, there's certain people that they listen to, like Nako Bear Medicine for the People and stuff like that. And like, I don't even there's know certain that stuff is. that there's a kind of, <laughs> yeah, right. You, you, I don't know if you would, I don't know if it's the same people. Like, there's certain guys that I've seen that they have this kind of particular type of like kind of spiritual, acoustic, like ancestral roots music, you know, that everyone likes to burn sage and listen to and stuff like that you know um but yeah well um, i have another yeah. appointment so i do have to go but i am so glad that we got to meet today because i really was looking forward to meeting you i so enjoyed your book um for anybody that's watching now or later or listening on the podcast um this is ron's book and my book are part of the ultimate raw vegan bundle and you can get it in the link in my bio or the link in his bio. And um, you can uh, get it until November 1st. There are over 50 books in the, yeah, thank you. Um, we really enjoyed having you on the live as well. There are over 50 books in this um, Ultimate Raw Vegan Bundle, thousands of recipes, and um, there's something for everybody. So thank you so much for listening today. And we should do a live again, not even just, I just really enjoyed talking to you. We should do another one. So I'd love to. I, I hope I get to come and meet you wherever you are, yeah, Michigan or wherever we'll it is, Nevada. <laughs> that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, maybe your husband will like connect with me. He'll want to go vegan. Maybe, maybe we can, we can get him to do it. All right. Have a beautiful we'll day. Go, we'll thank go. you so much. Yeah, you too. Okay, See bye -bye. you later.